to Compass and Clock. I'm your host, Mary Copeland. This infotainment podcast explores how to live your best life now and well into retirement. We'll discuss topics in financial planning, housing, and insurance. We'll talk wellness, relationships, and leisure activities. A full active life requires planning for your goals and preparing for the unexpected. I'll introduce you to a variety of guests from knowledgeable experts to folks sharing stories of their life experiences and so much more because life is big. All is intended to help guide you in planning for what you need now and at any age. Like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Today, my guest is Denise Stoughton. Denise is an interior designer and writer living on Bainbridge Island with her two chihuahuas, Tula and Milo. Passionate about writing, she studied at the Writer's Studio in Greenwich Village, founded by Pulitzer Prize-winning poet Philip Schultz. She has published articles in the Bainbridge Review, Tideland Magazine, South Brunswick Magazine, and the Pacific Northwest Magazine, Seattle Times. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Mary. It's so nice to be here. Yay! Well, today, Denise and I are going to talk about her quirky obsession with the curiously creative mailboxes around Bainbridge Island and her bi-postal tour. So we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to jump right in, Denise, and I'm going to ask, how did this quirky obsession start and when exactly was that? Well, my quirky obsession started about a year ago in 1922 when I just started noticing that Bainbridge Island had like a plethora of quirky, creative mailboxes. And I always stop to appreciate them. I mean, they're a lot of fun. They're fantastical and whimsical and happy. You just can't not be sad when you see these things. I like to call them postal Prozac. So (laughs) I was a fan. And then one day I saw a sinking fairy mailbox and I thought, okay, this is it. I I need to know the stories behind these mailboxes, this mailbox and every other mailbox. So I just started randomly knocking on people's doors to get the story. Okay. (laughs) Knock, knock. Um, So you knocked on strangers' door. What was their reaction? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Everybody was so nice. Once I told them I was there to talk to them about their really fun mailbox, you could see like the sparkle in their eye. They love talking about their mailboxes. They said, what a great idea. This is so fun. We need something like this. It was almost like people had just been waiting for somebody to ask, like, why did you do that? They were waiting for you to knock on their door, it sounds like. I I felt that way. Yeah. I know when I've walked along Point White, um, there is a giraffe on the left side as you're walking from Linwood Center towards Crystal Springs. There's a giraffe that's made out of wood, like different pieces of wood. And I always found, I was wondering what the story was on that. So maybe one day I'll knock on their door. (laughs) Yeah. And to be honest, the gentleman who created the giraffe has been commissioned to do two fabulous mailboxes on the island. Probably because of you. <laughs> In that case, yes, it was because of me. Okay. <laughs> charged. Well, why don't you tell us um, some of the conversations you've had with the different mailbox owners that you've um, encountered? 
Yeah. The stories about the mailboxes are so amazing. The people are so amazing. And the stories kind of run the gamut from really super heartfelt to just fun and tongue in cheek. And some are just, they expose people's passions and hobbies. Um, some of the more memorable ones, I would say one of the funnier ones in the beginning is this Johnson's outboard motor mailbox. Okay. The gentleman who owns it is named Mark Johnson. So he thought it would be pretty funny to have a Johnson outboard motor and originally had a vintage 1950s motor. Later, he updated it to be a 1970s motor. And he made the funny comment that he was hoping with the newer engine that his social security check would arrive faster. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was the pinky, the pandemic pig which is just a really exuberant and fun mailbox. And I was talking about, to the homeowner about it and he says, well, oh, it was so funny. I used the plastic cap of the spray paint can as the pig's nose and we're cracking up. And the next minute he's tearing up saying, what an important father-daughter father -daughter bonding experience making the mailbox was during quarantine. So some of the stories get really heart felt and personal, but you wouldn't necessarily know it to look at the mailbox. And um, I also get not only family history, but island history. And one story that comes to mind is the Strom family. They live in the middle of the island and they've their family's been here since 1946 when they purchased their property. It was 25 acres for $3,600. And it came with a house and chickens and a Model A car. And so they're big fans of vintage memorabilia and classic cars. And their fabulous mailbox is a 1949 Packard, like an actual Packard car. And Dick Strom <laughs> took this car and he cut off the front end. And then he and his brother cut circles in where the headlights used to be and put four of the family's mailboxes inside of there. And it is so creative. And just down the road on the same property, his son, Aaron, and his wife have the uh, Bob's Big Boy mailbox, which is pretty iconic on the island. The, the Bob's Big Boy holding up the Bob's bar. Big Boy. That's him. <laughs> Serving up mail every day. There you go. Wow. Those are some great stories. And you're right. You drive by and you see these mailboxes and especially if you're on a certain path every day, you know, coming to and from your house to the grocery store or whatever, and you see them and you always notice them, but to find out the stories behind it must have been a lot of fun for you. It was so fun. I feel honored that people are so willing to share the stories with me. And then on the other side, when people hear the stories, they're so thankful because they say, like you did, I pass this every day. I had no idea that was the story. And then everybody feels a little bit more connected to each other. Well, thank you for connecting those mailboxes and stories with all of us. Um, I believe while you were out um, doing your um surveillance you had <laughs> you had a run-in with the local police is that correct I hear there's yes. a little story there yes again guilty as charged <laughs> I had a feeling that it was just a matter of time really because when I'm out mailboxing I really thoroughly case every neighborhood I mean I don't want to miss a mailbox so I go pretty slow and one day there was a woman who saw me out there and there are a couple of things at work here. One, 
apparently mail theft is up 200% on Bainbridge. Ooh. And the other thing was the police were actually looking for the same make and model car as what I drive, which is a white Volkswagen Beetle. So she calls, she sees me, she calls 911 and then she gets on Facebook and she starts posting in her like neighborhood grouping. Oh my gosh, I found them. If you see this car, call the police. They're out there right now. So I know none of this. In fact, I was almost done and I was about to leave that little area and I saw one last mailbox I wanted to photograph. So I hop out of the car. I was about to get back in when this cop car comes by and blocks me in so I can't get out. And he was dead serious. I mean, he walked up to me. He'd never cracked a smile. He's like, can I see some ID here, miss? I was like, okay. So I um, got everything out and he said, I pulled you over because Someone called 911, looked like you're stealing mail and, you know, mail theft is up. And as soon as I could, I told him, listen, I'm writing a book about the quirky mailboxes of Bainbridge Island. I'm collecting the stories. And he was like, oh, my God, I literally have three patrol cars out on this right now. So I just started cracking up. And then his backup arrived. <laughs> he literally had backup. So the backup arrives and he tells the other officer, she's writing a book about the quirky mailboxes on Bainbridge Island. And that guy was like, oh my gosh, this is so Bainbridge. This is like the most Bainbridge thing to happen to me in months on patrol. Well, it was in the Bainbridge Island Review newspaper <laughs> or the Bainbridge Islander. And um, you shared the story with me and then I put it on the compass and clock um, in the <laughs> and it's on the blog. So if anybody wants to read the story. Well, I was so thankful I had the presence of mind. They were so nice. And I said, do you guys mind if we take a selfie? They were like, no, not at all. So I took the selfie and I was like, this is pure gold. I can't wait to write about it. So I did. Well, your private detective work is paying off. So yes. with that in mind, can you tell us how many mailboxes you've spotted and how many owners you've talked to? Because I'm assuming that you haven't talked to every owner of every mailbox. Not yet. I'm still in the process of writing all the stories. But to date, I have profiled 45 mailboxes. And there's as many more that are on my radar that I want to write about. When you say profile, that means those were mailboxes that you actually knocked on the door and spoke to the owner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I got the story. And you've probably have spotted at least twice that many mailboxes. Yes. That's how many people you've talked to? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. she, she could be not. New ones are popping up all the time. Mailbox. And you what? New ones are popping up all the time. So your list is going to continue to grow. I hope so. You might have a mailbox series here going on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, I have followed you on Facebook along this whole journey. What kind of re what kind of response have you gotten from your posts that you've been putting on Facebook about, you know, your mailboxing and profiling and <laughs> It's been, I know, I feel like a detective, like the Angela Lansbury of mailboxes. <laughs> Instead of murder, though, it would be mailboxes, she wrote. Um, yeah, online, it's been so positive and people really appreciate celebrating these quirky expressions of creativity. So I have a Facebook page, I have an Instagram account and people are energized. They like give me tips. I'll often get tips to new mailboxes and, um, they comment, they like, and I have, 
I'm pretty stoked because at this point I have 800 followers on Facebook and almost 300 on Instagram, which is pretty interesting just for a small niche project. Well, those numbers will keep growing, I'm sure. Um, were there surprises along the way um, when you've heard the stories and the Facebook and, and Instagram um, communication you've received? Any surprises you want to share with us? Yeah, I would say, you know, I knew it was going to be fun, but the surprise came when I started um, noticing this theme that was throughout some of the interviews where people have a nostalgia mm -hmm. and like an emotional relationship with their mailbox, especially for those who remember the days when you were more apt to get like a love letter or personal correspondence in your mailbox and like a credit card offer. You know, where people would tell me, I remember my grandmother used to write to me every month. I was so excited to run out to that mailbox and hear from her. And I'm really sad because, you know, today we have electronic communication, but emails and texts and social media posts don't hold the same personal touch for me as a handwritten letter. So I think there's an emotional component there to the mailboxes. And, um, and I understand that. And there was, in fact, a woman who did a whole series of mailbox paintings because the mailbox struck her as a way to, or I should say, as a proof of life at the end of the driveway while we were in quarantine, that there were humans still out there. So she did a series of paintings of mailboxes during COVID, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty random. Her name is Sandy Haight. She lives on the island and she's a watercolor artist. And so during quarantine, she started daily walking and she really latched onto the mailboxes as a way to have some small connection with people still. So she painted them. And didn't you see them displayed somewhere? Yeah, they were displayed down at the Blackbird Bakery. That's a great little bakery, too. Such for, a good bakery. For all you listeners out there. Um, and they just moved to a new location. They did. I did not know that. Do tell. At the Winslow Green. Oh, yeah. that's perfect because they can. there's outdoor music in the summer there. Mm -hmm. but, so. um, with the surprises, because you and I obviously have talked before, you were telling me something about um, artists, local artists, and how you might have spawned some kind of um, new avenue for their creativity. Yes. I mean, it's like you mentioned earlier with the driftwood giraffe. Um, the gentleman who created that um, does a lot of that kind of art. So right down the street from the giraffe on Point White Drive is a friend of mine. And he was like, Denise, I can't be your friend and not have a really cool mailbox. And I've always loved that giraffe. So I'm going to find out who that artist is. And I'm going to commission him to do my mailbox. So he commissioned him to do a driftwood orca mailbox for him, which was, I mean, I remember the day they installed it. So now that I get a heads up on some of these, I'll get a phone call from somebody and say, Hey, we're installing something today. You want to come down? And I cover it live, you know, in real time. <laughs> so I went down there and as that Orca was getting installed, I mean, we had a crowd and for the first week it was nonstop with people coming by. So one of those people was another neighbor that doesn't live too far. 
And they commissioned the same artist to create their Owl House mailbox, which is a two-story Owl House with a big section for big packages and a smaller section for small letters. And so the artist was so grateful. He's like, this is like a whole new avenue for me. And other island residents have commissioned other pieces and some of them aren't local artists, but one that comes to mind is the Toby, the dog mailbox. It's on your way into Fort Ward Park on Pleasant Beach Road. And that one's very noticeable, highly visible. And the homeowners couldn't be more lovely. And they told me the story about having a vacation in Florida and noticing all these tubular sculptures and mailboxes. And they tracked down the artist who is in Sarasota and calls himself the tube dude. And they sent a picture of their dog and he created the Toby, the dog mailbox. Oh, so all of this is in my neck of the woods. So I'm going to have to take a walk I know, you, or sometime you today, maybe while it's not raining and I'll have, I have a few mailboxes to go spot. Yes. I want to do it on foot though, not in the car. So I get the exercise. It's a fun pastime. It is. sounds like you're having a blast doing this. Um, when we were talking, um, a couple of weeks ago, you were telling me something about a kindred spirit mailbox. Can you tell all of us what that is all about, please? I'm happy to, because this is just one of those things that's so amazing. I feel like everybody should know about it. Um, like I said, I get a lot of tips online and a friend of mine who lives in North Carolina just happened to say, have you heard about this kindred spirit mailbox? It's near my house. And I hadn't. So right away, I Googled it. And um, it's called the Kindred Spirit. It's on Bird Island in North Carolina, off the shore of the Brunswick Islands. And this very amazing special woman in the late 1970s named Claudia Saylor had this vision of a mailbox on a beach where people could visit. And she keeps she kept blank journals in there so that people could come and write their stories, like little journal entries from the heart. So since the late 70s, early 1980s, people have been like pilgrimaging to this place to write inside the journals. And it's stories from love, loss, hope, dreams, um, everything in between. It's just amazing. And so now the journals that are filled up are being archived at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. So I was like, I was like in tears when I read about this. I was like, this is exactly what I'm doing. These are the stories of connection. These are the stories of people, you know, this is sharing and it's so healing. So I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if Bainbridge Island could have a kindred spirit mailbox? And luckily the parks department agreed. So this summer we're installing a kindred spirit mailbox on Bainbridge. And do you have any idea about what part of the island that will be on? Nope. <laughs> I have been out there searching if anybody has a good idea. I've walked a lot of the trails and gone to many of the parks and I have a few ideas at this point, but I haven't settled on one. And who's going to be the keeper of the journals? Well, I think if it takes off the way the one in North Carolina has, um, we'll have a committee of volunteers that'll not only keep uh, removing the fill journals, but keep it stocked with empty journals so people can continue writing. And the uh, Bainbridge Island historic Island of historical stuff. I don't know. Historical 
Society, Bainbridge Island Historical Museum. Museum. Um, they've offered to archive them if that should be the case. We'll make sure you put lots of pens or pencils in with the journals too. Yeah, that's the idea. Yep. Okay, so now the burning question. You have all this information and these photos and these stories. What are you going to do with them? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I am going to put them in a book. Um, and it's going to be a combination of pictures of the mailboxes and essays about the stories. At this point, I've also started working with an illustrator who has started illustrating some of, some of the mailboxes. And those illustrations are adorable. They're so animated. I mean, honestly, I could write a whole children's book using the mailboxes as character <laughs> for it. Um, so I think it's just a way to celebrate the creativity on Bainbridge Island. I think oh, the overarching theme of the book is not only to celebrate creativity, because I consider the mailboxes to be like folk art, kind of like an overlooked, unexamined form of folk art. And they're also cultural storytellers, and everyone can relate to art and stories. So I think um, it's important and it reminds us how we're more connected than not. And I think we re really really need a happy reminder like that right now. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. connection in community is important. And, you know, telling a little bit of the, this history um, just helps bring people together. And I have to say, I'm remiss because when I said what we were going to talk about, the quirky mailboxes, I also said we were going to talk about your bi-postal tour. <laughs> I we talk about that. So we just have a couple of minutes left. Can you tell us what that was, the bi-postal tour? Yeah. And also, I'm a little remiss because I forgot to tell you that I actually traveled to the original Kindred Spirit mailbox in North Carolina. So... After I got permission from the Bainbridge Island Parks Department to have one installed, I thought I really need to go visit the original one. And by the way, it's super famous. Like Nicholas Sparks has written a book inspired by the Kindred Spirit mailbox. And it's been on the nightly news. It's been everywhere. So I was like, I've got to go. So I um, took a little trip to North Carolina and that kicked off what I called my bi-postal tour. Um, I eventually was away for two months, so I visited the Kindred Spirit, and um, that was so exciting. And I also was able to visit the archives at UNC at Wilmington, and that was like a whole amazing journey, too, because they have hundreds, possibly thousands of journals there now. I didn't even know where to start. The archivist told me, why don't, why don't you start with the years that the pandemic hit, because people really poured their hearts out. So that was a beautiful experience. And from North Carolina, I drove down to Florida with my two chihuahuas and I plopped myself right down in the middle of nowhere in a camper on Lake George. And the idea was to continue writing the book and writing the stories. Um, I also continued to look for mailboxes. So I started posting pictures of the mailboxes I was seeing in Florida and I was not surprised at all that the mailboxes really reflect the people and the location where they are. They really are storytellers. They are beautiful examples of people, you know, at a certain place and time. 
And so I posted, as everybody who follows me knows, the mailboxes were like alligators and fish and sea lions and mermaids because it was Florida. Very geographically. Yes. <laughs> and weren't you also in an area where you had spent a lot of time in your childhood? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so interesting because when I was younger, my father owned a fishing camp in Florida. It was remote. I mean, alligators, wild boars, armadillos, everything. The house was on stilts with a tin roof and it was a fishing camp with a marina. I hadn't been there in 27 years. And it was always a dream of mine that I would go back and revisit this place because it loomed so large in my imagination as incredible. So I went there and it was like the place that time forgot. It was exactly as it had been in my memory, exactly as remote as I remembered. And it's an RV park. I made a whole lot of friends at the RV park, <laughs> you know, people who do this full time. And I loved being in the camper and it was just an amazing place to have quiet time to write and um, to reminisce about my childhood and to really think about the mailboxes and the stories and I don't know, pretty emotional, I would say. It was a good visit. Well, I'm Except glad we went back my... that it wasn't abandoned and that there it was still, you know, having visitors at the park. I thought yeah, that. my um, it's still in my family. So they said, just stay here as long as you want. So I had an open ended invitation. Um, yeah. And so it was like coming full circle in a way for me personally. And while I was down there, um, I got some very exciting news, which is um, the Seattle Times Pacific Northwest magazine wants me to write a story about this journal, this journey <laughs> of the journals and the mailboxes and all the stories um, as a cover story for one of their spring issues. So I've been busy working on that. And um, you might have spawned something, you know, that's going to take off around the country where people will start to notice the mailboxes in their community and maybe somebody in each different little town might start doing a little investigative work like like yourself and sharing I it with know. others. I really hope so because this is like a happy place. Like I said, it's a little postal Prozac. Everybody needs a dose. Yep. <laughs> we, we are about out of time. So I just wanted to say thank you for sharing your quirky obsession with us today. <laughs> so fun to do this. And what you've uncovered, like I said, is so interesting. And I love that emotional aspect to it too, because who knew that mailboxes had so many stories behind them, but thank you so, so much for joining us. And I look forward to following your project. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay. Listeners, Denise, everybody, thank you. And until next week, take care and thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye, Denise. Bye. Bye.